Are you tired of all the voices who say, focus on the bottom line numbers? Say whatever you have to, just close the sale. Just get the credit card. It doesn't matter what you deliver. You will never build a successful business until you grow a pair and stop caring so much. Here, we respectfully disagree. We give you permission to embrace who you are, how much you care, and encourage you to design a business that works for you and your clients. Welcome to The Art of Giving a Damn, the podcast that proves with every single episode that you can create a profitable business doing what you're passionate about and making a positive difference in the world. Now, here's your host, Michelle Schaefer. Hey, welcome back to another episode of The Art of Giving a Damn. My guest today is CJ Gray. CJ, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, you know, you've got a really, really fascinating story. And so I can't wait to uh, dig into that and find out a little bit more about not just what you've been through and your perspective on life, but uh, what motivated you to step out and really share some of these personal things with the world in a way that it could help people? Um, so just real quick, by way of introduction, C.J. Grace is the author of Adulterer's Wife, How to Thrive Whether You Stay or Not. She was personally invited to blog for Huffington Post after she sent a copy of her book to Ariana Huffington. She's a former BBC staff journalist who worked in Britain and later worked for China Radio International in Beijing. So you've, you've done a bit of traveling here. And you've just completed your next book, which I know we'll talk about in a minute here. It's called Hotel Chemo, Learning to Laugh Through Breast Cancer and Infidelity. You dealt with the double whammy of discovering your husband's infidelity and then shortly after dealing with breast cancer but you refused to be a victim and I love this you kept your sarcastic Brit sense of humor your mantra is the best revenge is to get past the need for it and you write about using adversity as a kick in the pants to make your life more meaningful and fulfilling with or without a partner you have been through a lot in a short period of time there. So let's just start with, uh, you decided to come out and write books about this and share your experience. What what did you go through thought process-wise? What motivated you to do that? It was interesting. I was at a Kindle conference for the business I worked for with my husband, and one of the programs we had to do as an exercise was to write an outline for a book. And I had no clue what to, what to write about. And it was fairly recent that I discovered that my husband had uh, a girlfriend that he was pretty keen on. And it just came out as the outline. I had no intention of writing the book. And I wrote the outline. And then I started to fill it in later on. And that was the book. It wasn't something that I had sat down and, and thought about doing before that point. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, that's something that a lot of people don't talk about. You know, if they've been through it, it's one of those secrets that people feel shame around where they 
they just don't know how absolutely. to have a Absolutely. And everybody, um, almost everybody has been on one side of that. Either they've been unfaithful or they've been a part with a partner that's been unfaithful or they've had parents that have been unfaithful to each other. It's very, very common. In fact, depressingly common. Everybody who, to whom it happens, you think it's the only, you're the only one that it's happened to and right. nobody else is going through this kind of roller coaster. But actually... It's really common, and most people feel the same kinds of emotions going through it. Yeah, you know, that's something that I know when, when I found out, because the same thing happened in my marriage, um, I felt like I was alone, and I had to stop and remind myself, there are so many others who have been through this, who have dealt with it. And before we go any further, actually, I want to mention for anybody listening, um, who's identifying with this conversation already, CJ has a free ebook called Overcoming Infidelity, Tools to Tame the Roller Coaster of Negative Emotions. And if you're in that place or you're still dealing with those emotions, there will be a link near the podcast wherever you're watching or listening that you can go get a copy of that and uh, get, get some help, just if nothing else, to know you're not alone. Others go through those same emotions and there is a way to come out stronger and happy and as your book title says thriving on the other side of that so i, I normally don't mention that till the end but i just wanted to start off with that um so well, thank, you. thank you for mentioning that and I, you said earlier that my mantra is that the best revenge is to get past the need for it and the other side of that is that so many people get into a revenge mode when they found out that their husband or wife has been unfaithful and all you're doing is really digging yourself deeper into the hole by just churning that revenge and working out in your head ways to have revenge on your husband or your wife instead of using that energy for making your life better and getting yourself out of the hole. Uh, and it's, it's a real trap that a lot of people get into. And they, they get very black and white about, um, about the partner so that everything that's happened is their fault, is the other person's fault and not theirs. And usually there's a kind of dynamic that goes on. And even if you haven't really done anything to push the other person into having a relationship with somebody else, what it is is as much of a symptom as a cause of marital breakdown. It's a symptom that things aren't really that great between you yeah. in a way. And so that's what you have to address and i'm not saying that you have to leave somebody after adultery because a lot of people do manage to stay together and some people actually thrive after that and they have better relationships and more honest relationships with their that's, spouses that's, that's one of the things that you've got to go <laughs> yes that's one of the things that caught my attention about your book title was the concept of thriving whether you do decide to stay or go whatever way it goes and i think what you said about moving past the need for revenge has a lot to do with that. If you actually want to get past that negative roller coaster of emotions and, and move on with life, you have to let go of that and not focus on the revenge part of it, but just focus on, okay, what can I do to continue improving myself and to thrive and pursue, you know, what, what I'm doing in life? Um, what do you find the reaction is when you share that book with people or you share the title of it? Well, it does appeal more to women than to men, that's for sure, because I wrote it very much from a female point of view. And then after having written it and done interviews, I was doing interviews on national radio in 
Britain Woman's Hour, which is the flagship show for women on the BBC uh, on Radio 4, I was asked, well, what about men? What about same-sex couples? I mean, isn't it just as bad for them to go through it? Absolutely. And some of the things that I write about would be equally applicable to any of those people, whether it's a man, whether it's somebody in a same-sex relationship, it's the same pain you go through and the same deal about trying not to um, get burnt up by revenge. But uh, so some, some, some guys feel a bit, uh, you know, there's a, there, you can see a look in their eyes when they see the book. They go, oh, goodness me, is this some kind of harpy writing about how dreadful men are, which actually I'm not. I mean, I do, I have swear words in there. I, I mean, I, 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 I <laughs> I let it all out in the book, but I also say that that's a way that you do yeah. let things out. And, you know, when you're going through um, infidelity and cancer on, on top of that, geez, oh. you know, the, the, you do think, wow, and all these yeah. swear words come out of your mouth when you're thinking about how life's treated you. But, you know, obviously, um, you know, that's just letting out the emotion it doesn't necessarily mean that that's how you want to be presenting yourself to the world forever <laughs> that's true i think we, we do go through those times where you've just got to get the emotion out and sometimes how it comes out may not be polite or pretty yes, but it's yes. part of the conversation Although i have to say that hotel chemo is f word free whereas uh, <laughs> adulterous wife is not <laughs> Right. So fair warning before you pick up a copy of those books, you know what's inside them. You know, I think as people go through that process, there's that shock there at first, right, about it. And you've been able to take that and turn it into something that's allowed you to become more, I guess, more out there with the message and and really help other people through that. So for people who are going through something where they've, they've run into that shock, whether it is something like infidelity or something like a cancer diagnosis, what recommendations do you have for people who can take that and not go into victim mode? Because it is really easy. I can't even imagine dealing with both of those at the same time. It's hard just dealing with one of them, not going into why did life do this to me? Why am I dealing with this type of mentality? So what, what do you say to people? Well, you have that conversation. I I did develop a six-part program that I mentioned on my website. And um, you've got to find confidants, people who have your best interests at heart, who who you can sort of mentor with. And they should be good friends, both male and female, actually. You get a much clearer view of of the world if you don't just focus on only women friends. You need really both. Um, and that means that you have to cultivate connections old and new. Mm-hmm. You may have developed a lifestyle where really all your energies are in the marriage and with your husband. And in some ways, you're finding that your own identity has been submerged in the marriage. So that when you're out of that, you actually have a chance to, to flourish and be your own person again in a way that maybe you weren't during the marriage. And there are another. There are several other points that, that are important to remember. You have to try and see the humor, even in the absurdity, in the black absurdity. You have to have a sense of humor because if you don't, if you don't laugh, you cry, and you don't. You really have to see how crazy everything is. 
Um, one of the things that I do um, when things get tough is I remember a relative of mine um, who was the first cousin of my mum, and she we're of Jewish background, and she uh, in before the Nazis went to power, she she was um, managing an, an orphanage, a Jewish orphanage in Germany. Oh. And she, when the Nazis came to power, they came to her and they wanted her to, um, they, they, she had to select the children that would have to be taken away. And rather than doing that, she decided to commit suicide. It's an awful, awful, awful story. It still makes me feel very sad inside when I, when I think about that. But, and her name was Hannah. And so I think about Hannah, when my life is bad, I think, wow, how can I really complain when I see what, what my cousin Hannah had to deal with? Mm. Uh, so there's always a way of looking at things where you put things in perspective because here we are in a wonderful free society in effect with shelter and food and um, safety whereas a lot of people don't even have that so when we're dealing with relationship issues and even serious health problems that does put it in, into perspective now that's not going to give you a sense of humor about it really when you think about you know dying relatives from from nazi germany but it does put things in in perspective right uh, so, but laughter therapy is just as important because you don't want to be depressed, but you want to put yourself, your life in perspective, but you also want to laugh and you have to, in effect, find your passion and become the happy hedonist. And often when you're married, you are stuck in this, in Britain, we call it the Protestant ethic. You know, you're doing the okay. drudge, you're dealing with a home, you're dealing with a business. If you have a right. family business, you're dealing with the kids, all of that stuff. And mm -hmm. so you need to put that aside for a while. And even if you are swamped with dealing with the aftermath of a broken relationship, divorce, all of that is really all consuming and difficult. You have to carve yourself out a little bit of time to do stuff that you enjoy. Absolutely critical. Because otherwise, you can't lift yourself up. It doesn't lift your mood if you don't do things that make you happy. Right. So it's a good idea to use the, uh, the shock as an opportunity to think, well, what do I really like doing? What's my passion? What makes me feel truly alive? And go for that. And it doesn't mean that you earn your living from it because uh, a lot of these things sadly are not ways of making money but you have to make time in your life for pleasure for fulfillment and that that is a crucial part of getting over infidelity and you know it also requires you to focus on the present and become more mindful of of what's going on because you could be in a beautiful surrounding. You could be swimming with dolphins in Hawaii or whatever. Um, well, I don't know if you're even allowed to do that anymore, but you could be having a, a fantastic time yeah. on an outward level. But if your mind is full of how awful you feel and how, what, a, what an awful man your, your ex has been and, and how you've been so badly treated by life and all that beauty outside you, it, it's irrelevant. 
you've got to live in the present and and be aware of life in the now not life in the past and not necessarily mourning how things were when you had your perfect relationship it, because it's pointless it gets you nowhere yeah that was one of the things that i think was hard for me to come to terms with personally was that that sense of loss of huge what i thought was possible but one of the things that i realized was that that was something in my head that actually never existed in reality and as soon as i kind of accepted that and let go of what i thought was there and like you said okay in this present moment what is here um it helps to kind of move beyond that. And it's funny you say that about finding something that you're passionate about and that you can do that, you know, gets your mind off it, I think is a key piece of it. I threw myself into my business and I worked really, really hard, but I also went and signed up for karate lessons. Not <laughs> uh, not to say that fantasy never went through my head, but not for revenge as much as just let me try something new. Let me do something different. And it was really good. It forced me to get out of the, I'm just going to stay home and, and never go outside again kind of mode that, that I naturally wanted to go into and instead to actually, you know, be out in the world around people and have that perspective of, yeah, one thing went wrong, but life is still amazing. Did you do your podcasts when you were married? No. You see? No, that's something I've only been, I uh, started about two years ago now. So are you yeah. So, so you did reinvent yourself. Yeah. In effect. It absolutely has been an interesting what's next type experience of realizing, okay, so the, the white picket fence dream didn't quite work out, but you know, you've got lots of time left to figure out what you want to do with life. And that's, I think one of the positives that can come out of any situation where you're struggling with, you know, the unexpected hitting you is okay. So that didn't work out as planned, you know, turn the page, yell next chapter and see what comes in life. And I have to say that having gone through cancer twice when I had it the second time, that really, uh, and that was uh, shortly after finding out about my uh, husband's infidelity. It was just a couple of years um, beyond that, 18 months, I think, something like that. Um, but it really reminds you that uh, you have an expiration date. You can't just um, sit around feeling depressed because life is short, make it count. And so when I was writing about um, adultery and adulterer's wife, how to thrive, whether you stay or not, I didn't really think I had another book in me. I was talking to a friend who was saying, you know, what you need to do if you want to do more with, with this project is why don't you do loads of courses on, on how to deal with adultery and, and or write more about it. And I thought, well, I don't know whether I've got another book in me. I really don't know what I write about. Everything I wanted to write about is in the book. But then when I had cancer on top of that, um, the stuff came out of me like Delhi diarrhea. Everywhere I went, I had ideas of what to write. And, you know, and the absurdity of some of these things, you know, of going through chemo and radiation and all of this and, and, and 
bizarre stories I heard. I got some some great stories from from other people and and all of this, and I got people to talk about all kinds of things that they probably would not normally have talked about. And so many of the cancer books I read and, and memoirs, um, they would start with these dedications to this wonderful husband that was their rock, that they were supporting, that they're getting so much support from their husbands and all of this. And that was there in the, uh, in the dedication. I remember reading Joan London's book, which was um, very well received about uh, breast cancer. Um, and she she writes about how supportive her husband is, I think, in a very a, a pretty long dedication to him. Well, you know, when your husband's unfaithful and your marriage is falling apart, your husband is not so much a rock, he may be more of a millstone. And so you have to really take charge of looking after the situation yourself. And I found that my background as a BBC journalist was very, very helpful because I was researching to the nth degree. I didn't take everything as gospel that the doctors told me. I mean, generally, I, I would uh, listen to what they said, but I did both uh, alternative and conventional therapy. And I found out that in many ways, cancer is a, a crapshoot. Breast cancer is a crapshoot. You know, people who do different things, and sometimes they work and sometimes they don't, and it's very, very individual. You have to do what, what feels right to you. Um, in my introduction, I, I have a cartoon because I, I illustrate my b books with cartoons to right. the comedy. And it shows all the ridiculous advice I got from people. Um, good friends, you know, people would say things like, well, chemo and radiation is toxic and it doesn't work. And then somebody else would say, alternative therapy is all pure quackery and yeah. somebody else would say well if you don't give up dairy you're just going to get cancer again um and somebody else well you know the reason why you got cancer was because you're so stressed out you need to relax well that kind of thing really helps you relax yeah that's that's, that's not the most helpful <laughs> advice <laughs> and so, I mean, it was it was a kind of absurdity really that um you know, and I, I saw the humor in all of that. And, and everyone who has had cancer has been through the whole deal of all their friends and anybody they know trying to give them advice on what they should do. And if you did all that advice, if you took all the advice that people gave you, it would probably take maybe 48 hours out of a day to do it. <laughs> And you've yeah, only got 24, and you need to be able to sleep. Um, so it, it's, a, it, it's a difficult situation. And navigating through it without a fully supportive partner makes it, makes it more difficult. And I didn't see that there was anything out there that covered how to deal with going through cancer with, without that kind of support group. You have to build your own support group, in effect. Um, the other thing that I found in a lot of cancer books that I read was that they were very preachy. People would have a particular view. Um, this is the route you have to take. This is the kind of therapy you need to do, otherwise you're going to die. <laughs> um, and, you know, I didn't want to do that because I've come across people who did conventional therapy and they did fine. Conventional therapy and they died. Alternative therapy and they did fine. Alternative therapy and they died. How can you tell? And some people who've done both. Some of them survive, some of them don't, because life basically is a crapshoot. And so it, it's, you know, it's one of those things. Um, 
this book is, is pretty much close to being done, Hotel Chemo Learning to Laugh Through Breast Cancer and Infidelity. Um, and at the time we're talking together, I'm still looking for a good publisher and an agent for that book uh, because uh, the previous book I wrote uh, about adultery um, is with a smaller publisher. And I think that Hotel Chemo, Chemo really needs a bigger reach since one in eight women have breast cancer in America. Um, it's it's either either you've gone through it yourself yeah. or you have friends and relatives who have gone through it and it is um, it's a bear to go through it now thankfully with breast cancer most people survive quite fine from the first bout of breast cancer slightly different with me because I've had two bouts and I also have that very nice uh, legacy from my Ashkenazi background, one of those BRCA genes. Gotcha. So um, thank you very much, relatives, for that. <laughs> but um, so that makes makes me more likely to 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 be susceptible. I've got I don't have the same one as Angelina Jolie. She has one that's a little bit worse than mine, but mm -hmm. um, it's still a bit of a sort of Damocles, as they say, hanging over your head. So yeah. Maybe it's gonna hit you and you don't expect it right right well and i think there's there's a huge i don't know if demand is the right word but need for i think a different perspective like you're saying about there is another way to approach this and deal with this on the treatment side it's find what works for you what you're comfortable with and don't try to listen to everybody's advice especially people who haven't been through it because um, it's easy for me to read 15 articles on the internet and conclude you should never eat x again and that'll cure you but that, that's you know not not helpful to tell somebody when they're going through it um, but also to be able to have a different perspective on it which you've clearly figured out how to find the humor in things that a lot of people would look at and just the idea of dealing with it is enough to make you just want to give up. So I love that you found that and that you're willing to share that and share that story because I think it's something that other people can look at and really be inspired by and say, hey, if CJ can make it through this and still have her sense of humor, uh, I can make it through it too. Yes, I think the humor is absolutely vital. And one of the things that I did, both when I was going through infidelity and when I found out about the cancer, was that I really cut down looking at things like the news. And as a BBC journalist, I was a real news hound and depressing stuff. You know, I didn't want to read anything depressing. I didn't want to go and see a depressing film. I remember somebody um, inviting me to go and see this um, film with, uh, it was about a lady who went on the Pacific Crest Trail to get over depression. Reese oh. Witherspoon was the, was the lead in it. And for some reason, I have chemo brain about the name of the, of the, of the movie. It'll come to me in a while. But um, I thought, mm, I don't think I want to be spending um, yeah. time watching somebody deal with depression. I don't need that. I want something that's uplifting and humorous. So I went back to watching my favorite Monty Pythons, um, <laughs> all the Monty Python movies. Um, and one of the things that I do in both books is, is, a, is list humorous movies that I watched that uh, helped me get through it. You want stuff that makes you laugh. You want stuff that cheers yeah. you up. You don't want stuff that brings you down. And, um, you know, a lot of what you see, a lot of what you watch on TV, a lot of you, what you see when you're looking at social media, especially when you, when you look at Facebook and everybody's saying how wonderful their lives are, and you're thinking, oh, my God, my life is, is crap. You know, my husband's um, got a 
girlfriend i've i've got cancer and uh, you know I, I it doesn't make me feel good seeing these people you know with their photos of their of, of their loved ones and all of that and how wonderful their lives are it, it makes you compare yourself in a negative way and so i found that i was um uh trying to avoid uh getting myself into those uh, negative loops and I think it's very important to do that because we have so much coming at us, especially yeah. on the screen, from the screen, that, that can bring you down in all kinds of ways. And what you see on social media is a fairly unrealistic view. It's a sanitized view of, yeah. of, or an, an extremely positive view of how wonderful somebody's life is and how successful it is. And you'll never be able to match that. You don't really see people on Facebook posting pictures of themselves looking depressed eating ice cream in front of the tv because they're so <laughs> down because right. they're you know they, they've broken up with their partner it, it's just it's just the way it is so you you yeah. want to function in a way that brings you up rather than brings you down very very important and that's another way that you have to use that technique to get over yeah. Um, feeling down. Aside from some of the other techniques that I mentioned, for example, in that free ebook, um, mm -hmm. I have a mindfulness technique that actually comes from England. They use it for school children. Mm -hmm. And okay. it's teaching people how to become mindful by eating a piece of chocolate. And as I'm a chocoholic, oh. Uh, it, that's that really, not my attention. It really works. <laughs> that's my addiction to chocolate. Yeah. But you know, things like being mindful of you know, what it's like to unwrap the chocolate, mm -hmm. smell the chocolate, feel it in your hand, and then, you know, put it in your mouth and just feel it in your mouth. And then eventually, after all that time, yeah. you can eat the chocolate. But it is a mindfulness exercise that, that um, has worked well in uh, schools in Britain. Yeah. And so if it works well for kids, I think it'll work well for, if they can handle it, I think adults can handle it too. And it teaches mindfulness. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, yeah, it is. And I think everybody listening would agree that's at least worth a shot. Like it's an excuse <laughs> to try you know, eating a piece of chocolate and it's for research purposes. So yes. uh, everybody make <laughs> grab that, grab that ebook, go through that mindfulness exercise and yes, enjoy your chocolate. That's, that's <laughs> my free mini ebook, e Overcoming Adultery Tools to Tame the Roller Coaster of Negative Emotions. And uh, that you can find on my website, adulterer'swife.com. And if you can't spell adulterer'swife.com or adulterers, everybody seems to get that wrong. All you need to do is Google CJ Grace Adultery and you'll find me. Absolutely. Grace or Adultery. Just, just click the link that's somewhere near where you're listening or watching this podcast. We will have that link there for you as well. Uh, CJ, thank you so much for your time today to come on and share uh, some of your life story and how you've handled things that, you know, might be things that most people would look at and go, I don't know how you got back up, but you not only got back up and kept going, but you did it with grace and humor and are sharing with others how to do that as well. So thank you for being a, a great example of what's possible with a positive mindset. Thank you so much. All right. Everybody watching, be sure you click over, download a copy of that ebook for the chocolate exercise. And if you know somebody, 
who's struggling with some of the issues we've talked about today, send them to CJ's website where they can get some support and some help from maybe a different point of view of how to get through some of the tough things that life can throw at us. Uh, Please rate, like, review the show, subscribe wherever you're watching at, and I'll see you back again soon on another episode.